great. I will just like side little comment. Like, it's actually the best to see like how the youths are growing um, and changing. And I know I haven't been here very long, but like my heart is so attached to them. They're the best. So um, thank you, parents, for like inputting into your youths, youths. And um, yeah, we super appreciate it. <clears throat> so um, if you have ever had a conversation with me. I probably will ask you to tell me a fun fact about yourself, um, or I will start asking you a thousand and one questions. That's just kind of who I am. Like, some people get a little annoyed, but like, to me, knowing who you are and knowing the little quirks that, like, that's what makes you you, and the awkward weirdness about me is what makes me Kaylee Prello. Um, and if I didn't ask those questions, then I wouldn't know what they were. And I ask because I care, and my heart deeply wants to know um, what your heart is. So I figured, what better way than to start today by telling you some fun facts about me? Um, just so maybe we can find some common ground. Um, you feel like you know me, I know you. Maybe I'm not the only one alone in my weirdness. So... <laughs> <laughs> or I am the only one in my weirdness, you never know. Um, <laughs> so, fun fact number one about Kaylee Prello. I um, broke my ribs because I just tripped and fell in volleyball practice. Like, normally you use your arms and, like, use reflexes to stop. No, just, like, right over, broke my rib, and it was just fantastic. Um, <clears throat> just kidding, it hurt a lot. Um... Like, if that doesn't speak to how, like, clumsy and just disastrous and uncoordinated I can be, like, if I ever fall over, just, I'm fine. I promise you, I'm fine. Just let me be. Um, but I also figured, because you are my church family, and that's just it, your family, we're full of love and grace for each other, I figured fact number two would be a little bit more on the serious side, so I don't know if it's still a fun fact, but it's fun. Um, so fun fact number two about Kaylee Prello is more people in the last, especially few months, but like last half a year, have seen me cry than in my entire life. <laughs> and I, w like, I genuinely wish that I was joking and like over-exaggerating, but I'm not. <laughs> Like, I've always been the person who's just, like, going forward, trucking along. Like, I don't have time for emotions. I don't want to deal with emotions. Like, emotions make me weak, and I don't want to appear weak. That is my attitude, full stop. And God's kind of been like, no, <laughs> surprise. Um, <clears throat> he's been teaching me and showing me and challenging me to figure out the fact that actually, you know, when I'm... There's an outward expression of what's in my heart. Joy shows that something is good. Anger and frustration tell me that something is wrong. The tears that I've been feeling, it's because there's hurt and there's pain. Um, emotions make me help me navigate and assess the state of my heart. Um, so all these little chunks of tears that have just been so thankfully around, um, it's because actually life is hard. Life is painful. Um, like Phil said, I left like the first 20 years of my life behind. I closed the door. Um, I left comfortability behind. I left my family and friends behind. I left every single thing that I'd known um, behind. And yes, 
I'm full of joy and peace and, and just a giant new family that God is forming for me. And I love it, and I'm incredibly thankful. Um, and God has abundantly blessed me, but that doesn't mean that the tears go away. Um, tough goodbyes don't get easier, even if they're necessary. Um, so the 5th of April, um, I've said my official final goodbyes. I got to go home for a little bit. Um, and with my puffy, cried-out eyes, the entire airport knew that I was Trump, like, going through something. It was just great. Um, <laughs> I, you know, at the Vancouver airport, I boarded my plane to return home. <laughs> and as I settled into my seat, I just said to God, like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I am very confused and a little slash very frustrated, um, but I'm so incredibly in love with you and in love with the journey that you're taking me on that I'm stepping out in faith and confidently knowing that you have a purpose for me here in New Zealand. And, and as the plane was taking off, God gave me um, James 1, 2 to 4, um, and I will just say that if God ever gives you scripture, like in a situation, you hold on to that. Because on my bad days when I want to run away, when I want to tell Phil and Kathy, like, I'm done, <laughs> enough, it is enough. And I want to jump back on a plane, which is actually kind of hard because they're expensive. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but it, it reminds me, I go back to that verse, and it reminds me of the promise that I made to him on that day and the promise that God made to me that I will continuously fight for our relationship. I will continuously fight to walk on the path that he's put me on. And I know, full stop, that he recklessly fights for me and for my heart and for our relationship. So... Great. Um, so if my lovely humans could come up and throw those things around, can I get you two to bring me that whiteboard? Great. Um, I also know that not everybody is like auditory learners, so I have a nice fun little worksheet for us today, um, and it will make more sense, I promise. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that won't work. No. Turn, turn. Thank you, though. Um, so, what a surprise! The passage, the passage that um, I chose slash God chose for me tonight was James one two to four. Um, just because it, um, yeah, is really where my heart is, and it's really where God is challenging me. So, I figured, why not preach? from it. Um, does everybody have one, have a pen? Just, bo- oh, ran out of pens. If, uh, I have some pens in my purse, in the middle pocket. It's fine. Don't mind me. make that happen. There's one more. There we go. Okay. So, I'm just going to read the passage real quick, and hopefully that 
kind of gets figured out. We're good? Okay. Um, so, James 1, 2, and 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your, of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. So, um, just a little bit about this epistle slash letter. Um, it was written by James. Surprise, who, according to Matthew 13.55, was one of several brothers of Christ. Um, because he's at the top of the list, it's most easiest to assume that he was the oldest of the brothers. Um, at first, as read in John 7.2-5, um, James actually did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah and totally misunderstood um, Christ's mission here on earth. Um, however, 1 Corinthians 15.7 and Acts 21.8 um, are two very key scriptures that point to um, James's transformed heart um, and how he later became very prominent in the church. Um, and as mentioned in verse 1, James is writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Um, those tribes, or the audience, um, is genuinely con- generally considered to be Jewish Christians who were dispersed outside of Palestine. Um, So the book of James is kind of framed with an overall theme of patient perseverance during trials and tribulations. Um, James writes to encourage believers to live consistently with what they have learned in Christ. Um, And he deeply wants his readers to mature in their faith um, by living out what they believe. Um, so, clarity. So your little pieces of paper, and I kind of tried to draw a rough sketch, but clearly it's good enough. Um, so each of these little boxes are going to be my points. Um, so I will make it very clear what goes in each box. Um, and if you feel like you need to write on it, go for it, flip it over. There's a whole blank side for notes. <laughs> Surprise. Um, that's how paper works. Um, so in box number one, in this guy right here, um, this is what I am calling spiritual laziness. Um, I know. Ooh, I felt a little rude, but it's what God said, so don't blame me. Blame him. Um, and I'm just going to reread verse two so it's fresh in our minds. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Um, So this is who I'm talking to for those who consistently consume and listen to teachers and preachers, but never live out what they're um, feeling convicted of or feeling challenged on. Um, Just as we physically consume, we need to physically exercise. Same in our walks with the Lord. If the Lord is teaching you something, you have to act on it. No sitting and no passivity in just like, I'm going to sit here now. Um, And so despite what we want to tell ourselves or what we've been told about this passage, it was never intended to give comfort to Christians who suffer as a consequence of their own sin. Um, So the definition of the Greek word trials, paramosis, uh, means the trial of man's fidelity, integrity, um, virtue, and an enticement to sin from the outward circumstances. Um, this Greek word, 
20 other times in the New Testament was translated to as temptation. Now, the word temptation is defined as rebellion against God by which his power and justice are put to proof and challenged to show themselves. Um, So if you're, in the most loving way possible, if you're suffering conflicts um, because of, for example, your own malicious talk, it is wrong for you to consider that situation pure joy. James is talking about the outward temptations. If you think about the Garden of Eden, jump back for a little second. Was it wrong for Eve to stand there and listen to Satan say, eat the forbidden fruit, eat the fruit? No, that's not, like, temptation is not a sin. Um, it was a sin when, when she t- took the apple and bit into it and gave it to Adam. Had she even grabbed the apple and been like, ah, no, and dropped it and left, that still is not sin. That's probably not healthy. That's not helpful for her journey. That's making the temptation easier by grabbing it. Um, But you are not sinning if Satan is tempting you with something. It is when you say, yeah, I'm going to bite into this, um, where you are being pulled through trials. Um, And you should be able to say, actually, I'm going to count this as joy. Eve could say, I'm going to say this is joyful that you think that I am dumb enough to trick, like, listen to you. No, 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 no. I'm going to follow what God said, hold on to those promises, and then you can count those as joy. Um, So, box number two. We're going to move kind of quickly, so uh, don't fall behind. This box, there's a couple words that you could write for it, so I will make it very clear what they are again. So just write which one you feel God speaks to you in. So I'm going to reread verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Um, So this verse is actually a combination and is a cause and effect um, relationship. Um, So the testing of your faith, or the trials that you go through is the cause. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness, cause and effect. There's an action and there's a reaction Um, so example again go back to the garden Um, Genesis 1-2 in the beginning there was nothing Um, Genesis 1 through like 31 is the story of creation nothing, earth and all that good stuff Um, again Genesis um, 3 and 6 Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit cause, effect uh, Genesis 3, 7 to 24, the fall of mankind, sin enters the world, uh, they get disciplined and kicked out for their actions, um, et cetera, et cetera. I could keep going, but from that effect of them um, sinning, God sent his one and only son, um, and that was his effect, that was his solution. Um, so your effect, depending on what it is, can cause... Um, a new action to have to follow suit. It can be both positive and negative. Um, whatever you do will result in something positive or negative. Um, so something else, though, is we need to realize that there are short-term and long-term solutions. I one time 
was driving my car, it did funky things, pulled over to the side of the road, and instead of sitting there panicking and crying, I texted a mechanic friend, I said SOS, Sebastian, who's the name of my car, isn't working, um, can I come uh, at some point and you can help me fix it? Um, or fix it yourself, because I know nothing. Um, but that was a long-term solution, but I couldn't just sit on the side of the highway and say, well, I texted Kevin, like, he's going to fix it. Um, no, I had work that night, so I called my mom and was like, hey, hi, hello, can I drive your car to work tonight? Um, and that was the short-term solution. Um, you know the classic, like, turn it on and turn it off again if something's not working? I did that with my car, and it worked, because there was, it was like a cylinder misfiring, my, misfiring thing. Don't know what it means, but, you know. Um, so, I needed to solve the immediate issue of, I'm on the side of the highway and I've worked tonight, but I also needed to fix the issue of, I need a car that I can drive. <laughs> like, that's just how my life is. Um, and I needed to get the knowledge and the tools of somebody else who is more full of, yeah, skilled, more full of brain stuff than I am about cars. If I'd called my sister to come fix my car, like, that wouldn't have been helpful. I probably would have had to buy a new car altogether. Um, but I had to find somebody who had more experience, more knowledge, and the correct tools to be able to fix my car. It would have been no use if I called the wrong person and been like, oh, I fixed my long-term solution, when realistically I would have made it worse. Um, so in this kind of box thing, it's like there's cause and effect, there's action, there's reaction, but there's short-term and long-term solutions. You can sit in the comfort of short-term solutions, but that's not going to fix it. Um, <clears throat> long term. So when you look at it in the context of this passage, it's the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, but you cannot produce steadfastness on your own strength. You need the knowledge of somebody else, the tools of somebody else. Again, like Kathy was preaching today, you need other people to be able to walk with you and say, actually, that's an outer circumstance temptation. Don't walk in that um, to produce your steadfastness. So, <clears throat> moving along, verse 4. Um, so, we will read that. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, so, this verse actually just brings perspective on the cause and effect relationship that happened in verses 2 and 3. Um, so, cause, trials, Temptations, testing of the faith, faith, effect, steadfastness. Um, but this this verse, I kind of see it like you're looking at it from this angle. It's like I see the cause here, I see the effect here, but I'm looking at it from this side where I made it through. Before, you are lacking in something. You are not perfect. You are incomplete. You slide over, you go through it, and then you lack nothing. You are full of abundance. You are perfect in Christ. And you... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, brains. Um, but on the other side, you can see 
that you are perfect. You see that you are complete and you can see that you lack in nothing. And if you don't have the perspective of verses two and three, you're not going to be able to see it. If you're standing on this side on verse one and you're like, well, this sucks. (laughs) No, you need to walk to this side, find the perspective and say, hey, actually, that made me whole in Christ. Um, Depending on where you are in your journey, you have to realize that you need to isolate the issue, whether it's friends, family, relationships, work, coworkers, whatever. Something in your life isn't functioning as it should be. Have the perspective to say, where am I in comparison to what I should be? Um, because God just said, in him, you will be perfect, complete, and lack in nothing. And if you feel like something is lacking, something is missing, if you're frustrated evaluate (laughs) um and and god does that on purpose he's been asking for a long time where are you again going back to that garden god didn't ask where are you because he didn't know where they were he was asking where are you in relation to me do you know where you are in comparison to where i am like he knows but do we know where he is um so I was going to have you all sit here and write in your areas, and you're very free and welcome to. There's something in your brain. Write it down. Where are you being on the left side? Oh, in the bottom. Perspective. Or unless another word spoke to you, then write that one. Um, And so think about where am I being spiritually lazy and write it. Where Like, sorry, Kathy, uh, and everyone else, but um, cause and effect, solutions, where am I? Write it in here. Same with perspective, where am I? Write it in here. Um, And I was going to have this great time where we all sat here and chat, and then God said, where is this happening in your life, Kaylee? I said, nope, (laughs) no, thank you. Um, But again, feel free to keep writing, but... Uh, because God is good. He said, you're standing here. You get to share to the people. Um, So you're welcome, people. Um, So God, when I asked him, I said, all right, where am I being spiritually lazy? And he gave me a nice stab in the heart. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4.15 reads, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And it's as if God was asking me, like, how often do you ask me for advice? Do you ask your friends, your family, your parents, even the people that I put on your journey? Yes, you come to me in prayer and we chat, life is good. But do you come to me first? Am I your main source for advice? Not just like, hey, I'm praying about this, give me an answer, but hey, do you think I should do this? Do you think that this is the right path for me to be taking? So that's just, you know, we should be actually asking God first before we ask um, people. So when I thought about cause and effect, um, Yeah, God really, as I've been doing this, challenged me on where I put my identity. Um, And and when he said this to me, I was like, that's so insignificant and dumb. Um, But he prompted me to take out all my piercings. Um, 
And I was like, that's so dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. Um, but because it made me so angry, that's how I knew that that was something I was holding on to instead of holding on to him. Um, and I, it made me angry because I know that there's a piece of my identity that was hiding behind my rebel, tough girl ex- exterior. Um, my problem, my cause was fear of being criticized, fear of being vulnerable, fear of letting people put like people into my life. And instead of putting up walls to keep them out, I actually kept myself in. Um, and that blockage was actually causing a problem in my relationship with Christ and in my relationship with the people that he brought um, to help me. Um, and so the solution, the effect, I chose Christ. Um, I choose to be... <laughs> Um, I choose to be who he's called me to be. Um, So with the help of my great flatmates, we uh, took out all 12 of my piercings, and some of them were a little stuck, not going to lie. My ears are kind of sore. But that doesn't make the scars go away. I will say that I may have chosen to do what God was calling me to do, But that one, I do have a bunch of unnatural holes in my body. Like, that's just the way it is. But also, I'm still afraid of being judged. I'm still afraid of trusting people. Um, I'm still afraid of being looked down upon or feeling like plain old Kaylee is not good enough. Um, But instead, through God's gentle and good guidance and love, I'm trusting that there is a purpose I'm replacing the lies that held me in my cause, held me in those insecurities, and I am moving because he says that I'm perfect and I'm complete and I lack in nothing. Um, So I will hold on to that. Um, For perspective, um, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 is what God gave me. Um, "For For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. This is the gift of God, so that no one may boast. Um, And I had to be reminded that actually I am nothing. I am nothing without Christ. And as much as I want to say, oh, it's great that I'm weak without God. Oh, it's great that I'm broken without God. No, if we're being honest, that sucks. Um, (laughs) no filter because it is that's like chipping away at a part that I hold on to Um, but God's been telling me like stop looking so hard at the path that I've put you on and look up at me and I've had to tell this to myself time and time again so I'm going to tell you time and time again even if God put you on the right path even if you're walking right in step of where he wants you to walk stop looking at the path and look at the one who put you on the path because he actually might be warning you that a turn is coming he might be telling you that you're going to step off the path if you're looking so hard honestly you tune things out and there might be an exit that he had for you that you missed so stop looking at the path even if it's the right one and look at the one who put you on the path um I've been asking God, like, why am I still in this season? And, and I'm pretty sure we've all asked that one or two or three hundred times. Um, but maybe it's not God that's waiting for 
or maybe it's not me that's waiting for God. It's God who's waiting for me to change and waiting for me to look at him before he shifts everything into alignment for my next season. There's the saying, like, stop and smell the roses. I'm like, great, good, fine, great. But actually, stop and smell the roses because they only come once a, a year, I'm pretty sure. I tried to do some research, but I don't know flowers. But they come in the summer. You plant them in the spring. And for the rest of the year, they're ugly thorn bushes. Like, stop and look at the beauty of what's around you. Um, so, what an idea. What happens? When we take what's in front of us, we take our spiritual laziness, we take our solutions, we take um, our perspective, and we put Jesus on top of all of it. What an idea. (laughs) What if everything that we had actually went through the cross? What if we took the cause that we're in, went through Jesus Christ, and landed on this side? What if our perspective, we took it through the cross and looked at it from heaven's perspective? Do you know what that would look like? Oh, I'm not talented. Um, This first box, you'd be reminded that you are grafted in, and that's the verse that I wrote on here. John 15, 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You might be feeling discouraged because God's pruning you, but actually, he wants to make you more beautiful. He wants to make you fruitful and ready for the next season. If he put you in the season that you want to be in while you're sitting in this box, I promise it'll, like, it'll be hard work, unnecessarily hard if you wait um, until you're perfect and complete. So acknowledge the pain. Acknowledge what God's taking you through. Instead of running from it, run to the one who gave you that, who is chipping away at you, because I promise he'll have the answers. Um, he wants you to be perfect. He wants you to lack in nothing. Um, So again, if you look at solutions, action, reaction, what would that look like? That looks like asking someone who's more equipped, a mentor, a spiritual guide person, somebody who's mature in their faith who can actually follow you along. Again, I echo what Ashley and Kathy have been speaking on, like she said this morning, um, open the gift. Open the gift that God has given you. Um, and, and we should find ourselves so in love with like our Father that it shouldn't even be a question whether we keep walking towards him. Um, he has given us so much. It's, just, it's literally up to us if we want to choose to open it and receive it. Um, and again... What does this box look like? Well, this looks like reminding ourselves that this is just a temporary home. Um, We hold on so tightly to things that in 10 years, 5 years, sometimes even 2 days, like, won't matter. Maybe your kid screamed at the grocery store. Maybe that boy didn't text you back. Maybe your, your spouse cooked the wrong dinner. Like they made your steak too rare or not too rare. That's impossible. <laughs> too well done, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but 
stop and ask, like genuinely ask yourself, does this actually matter? My mom always told me, don't make a mountain over a molehole. But how, do we know what a molehole is in this country? Okay, <laughs> just checking. Called, I once said Cheerios and everyone looked at me weird. It's not the sausage, it's a cereal. Um, <laughs> it ruined my joke, to be honest. Ask Francis. <laughs> I was like distressed for days. Um, But what if, just hear me out for one quick second, what if we let go of what we're holding instead of letting God having to pry it out of our poor little hands? Because if it's that harmful for for, for us, he will take it. He does not want his children to suffer. He does not want you to lack. He wants you to be full. So if you just open your hand and give it freely, you're able to take more of what God has for you. A long time ago, I don't know if any of you remember this, but there's a podcast, find it. Kathy gave a message, and she had Grace stand up here, and she was holding a bunch of boxes. And it was all these boxes that the world was giving to her. um, Fears, insecurities, doubts, even just like future plans, whatever it is. And Kathy was over here being the good old Jesus and saying, I want to give you chocolate, because who doesn't want chocolate? But Grace was unable to take the chocolate, to take the gift, Because her arms are full with all these unnecessary things. So what if we just dropped what's unnecessary and say, I want want the chocolate. Take the chocolate that God has for you. Because the roses won't be here all season. They will go away. So open... I'm just going to say that again. Open your hand. Open your hand. Actually, open your hand and let go. Stop holding on. If it's your behaviors, your thoughts, your action, your speech, your relationships, your work, your, your car, like, let go. You actually... If you laid out every single thing that you owned, every receipt you've ever bought, everything you've ever watched, if you laid that out on a table, would it all point to Christ? I know. Sorry. No, it's good. But that's what it should be. As disciples of Christ, we should always be pointing to the grace and love and perfection that God has bought for us. There's no reason for us to have anything hidden in the back corner because that is not actually of God. So don't bother having it. Um, so I just close your eyes. Just close them. Sit there. And I actually just want you for a minute to sit there and ask God, what am I holding on to? What is it that I'm placing in my hands instead of what you want to place in my hands? If we don't make room, we can't receive. And whatever it is that God is telling you, write it down. Ask for a promise. Ask for what he wants to give you. Ask for a verse. Ask for a person to encourage you. Ask for the answer. Ask for advice. Say, God, what should I do with this? Where do you want me to take this? Do you want me to give this up? 
and then with boldness step out and do it because he wants raw he wants authentic he wants to be consumed by you he wants to consume you he wants every little bit of your identity even if it seems as minuscule as taking out your piercings he doesn't care he knows that that was holding me back he knows what's holding you back keep asking keep digging because those who seek will find God actually is a good God and if you don't believe that full truth well ask for him to show you where in your life he's been good ask him to tell you what lie am I believing and replace it for the truth so I am just going to pray to close um, and take this home like don't just say well that was good or that was bad and walk out the door and crinkle that paper up or leave it on your seat actually like James is asking for his disciples he wants us to mature in our faith he wants you to live out with what you've heard he wants you to live through the trials and through the temptations but actually succeed don't survive thrive live out what you say and that your actions that your speech let your finances let your heart point to christ um so um heavenly father we just praise you for the work that you do in our lives lord that you do not do anything that would harm us lord you do not do anything that is against your nature and your nature is grace your nature is love your nature is perfection um you are abundant father and lord we just ask and pray that you would um show us where show us where our hands are not letting go um father we 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 confess that we are sinners and we repent of our sin and jesus we thank you for dying on the cross for us and father forgive us and show us your grace and love Holy Spirit, you are our comforter. You are our advocate. Um, we ask and pray that you would come into our lives and guide us and give us wisdom and discernment. Help us to see where we've placed our identity. Lord, thank you that you have called me worthy. Thank you that you have given us a strength and boldness to walk into what you've called. We love you and we praise you for who you are not because of what you give us. In your name we pray.